2: pre recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to a Wednesday Rewind episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show! Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like my dad now strangely calls me, the Thin-Turn. Get this, I come to Joe's mom's house today and it's completely locked up. Not even Joe's mom is around. I called Joe and had to wait almost 30 minutes before he texted me to share where the spare key was hidden. I could have been out of here by now. In truly passive aggressive fashion, and counterproductive to getting me back to sleep, I spent another 30 minutes looking for the perfect episode to play, and I think I found it. I introduce to you, Stacking Benjamins episode 125, stealing back 40-60% more time with Edward G. Brown. Apparently, time bandits, be it your friend, significant other, or even your boss, can steal around half of your day. I think I'll be personally invested in listening to this episode. Hopefully Joe and OG will pick up the hint. This episode also features fan favorite, Suzanne Lucas, aka the evil HR lady. And remember, this episode came out a while ago, October 2014 to be exact, so don't get excited about any giveaways or investment advice. turn out.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we
1: have a big show, a real big shoe.
0: Live from my parents' basement. It's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and on today's show, the man who brought Don Ho's tiny bubbles. To the market, and not just that, he also was Roy Rogers' business manager. Edward G. Brown joins us on the show. He wrote a new book called "The Time Bandit Solution," talking about how people are stealing your time and how to get all that time back. That's today on Stacking Benjamins, and the guy who's constantly juggling five hundred different things, trying to get all that time back. In fact, he's eating. (laughs) sitting here across the car table from me
4: eating a sandwich it's og i've got avocado on my mic this is, this is just i apologize in advance it's unbelievable
0: i'm trying to get out of the basement to get out of town og's been on a conference call for like the last what two and a half hours and we said you know what we've got a great show today but the good news is og it's not about you and i how about this ed brown on the show I mean, Roy Rogers, Andy Williams, Pat Boone, Don Ho, all these people, and if you're too young to know who those people are, those were the big Hollywood stars back in the day. Oh, she's pointing himself. You have no idea who those people are, do you?
4: The only reason I know who Roy Rogers is because I'm a big fan of the song by Lyle Lovett, where he talks about if he were Roy Rogers. Anyway, that's the only thing I know about him. <laughs> that's,
0: that's it. Then the rest of the people, you have no idea who those are. Well, somebody, OG, you should know who it is, is some place you should know what it is, is magnifymoney.com. Because if you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, they make it really easy, OG, for you to compare, ditch, switch, and save when it comes to your savings accounts, your credit cards, your... Checking accounts. You know, a lot of people are banking OG at these big banks that still charge you fees like ATM fees. And you also can't do like automatic take a picture of your check. I mean, how long have you been able to do the whole take a picture of your check thing to deposit it? It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. I mean, so here's what you do. You go to com forward slash magnify money. It takes less than two minutes to find which products are best for you. They get no kickbacks. They're put specifically in an order that fits who you are. And by the way, you can do all that OG without putting in your social security number, any of your personal information. So I like that too. We ask them to be our sponsor because we like the product enough that we can tell you, you should go to com forward slash magnify money. And they will save you a ton of money. Speaking of saving people, OG, let's save them from our Magnify Money commercial and get on with the headlines. Our first headline today is, you know, we talked about this on Monday's show. You and I didn't talk about it, but the roundtable talked about student loans. And they talked about this think tank that's trying to present this idea if all these students work during college that they will be able to pay for much of their tuition. And like the roundtable said, they think there's nothing wrong with kids working during college and having bad jobs, but certainly having the government involved is something totally different, like having that be a government-mandated deal. Mark Cuban, interestingly has his own take. This is from Business Insider. The headline reads, Mark Cuban, the student loan bubble is no different than the housing bubble. He says that there is no difference between the amount of money that the government, OG, has piled into student loans making it easy money for kids to get It's the same thing as the government making it real easier for people to get mortgages. So a bunch of people end up in college that shouldn't have been with money that they couldn't really afford to spend. No idea why they're in college. And the quote I like the best out of this, he says, when you have more administrators at universities making $200,000 a year than professors, something is wrong. Too much easy money out there. What do you think?
4: Well, somebody's got to manage all the managers. (laughs) <laughs> that's right it's like what? the meetings what would you like to do uh, i'd like to have a meeting about this meeting Let's Have a follow-up meeting to discuss our meeting i think he's right i think that there's a lot of people that would be better served by doing other things in their life than defaulting to college right away i think that it's almost a necessity if you want to have some sort of like longer-term career of course but to kind of willy-nilly just hand people 60 70,000 out the gate that seems a little silly.
0: Yeah, he says that what we should do is the government should scale back the amount of student loans that they guarantee, which will make it harder for people. And if you believe like the book Nudge, and you and I have talked about this before, about people having to opt out of the 401k instead of opting in, if the money's not so easy to get, people aren't going to go through these horrible forms you got to fill out with your bank or with whoever right. to get this extra money because the government money's so easy to get. Mark Cuban says the government should scale back the amount that they make available. You like that?
4: I do. I think it's hilarious that I had to contribute so little money to my graduate school out of pocket. And I, you know, if you'd say, "Oh, I need 20,000," they went, "Okay. Yeah. Here you go. No problem." Yeah, really? you're good for it, right? <laughs> like, "Oh, yeah, I'm totally <laughs> good for it. When do I have to pay?" <laughs> Never. That's the problem. The problem isn't the money. The problem is the fact that you can delay it forever until Social Security. Eventually, they're going to come and get it. But I would be interested if somebody could do the math on this. Maybe this would be something like for uh, the DQIDJ.net people right, to figure out the rate of return on waiting to pay your student loans versus having that money stay with you compared to just waiting until you retire and have your Social Security check pay the student loans back until you're paid off. That's
0: interesting. Yeah, because then you pay no money toward it. Instead, you invest the money or do whatever you're going to do. Basically,
4: you're investing the money that's already required anyway. You know, you're know, 7.65% going into, or I guess 62 going into your social security account, so to speak.
0: But the fact that you and I can have this discussion shows how much is wrong, right? You and I are right. talking about how can you manipulate this system more, oh, which yeah. is exactly totally what Mark Cuban it. is saying is wrong. He has a comment on a whole different thing at the bottom of this article He said he also talked to CNBC about the stock market, which he says isn't representative of the economy anymore. This is Cuban's quote. We're not really sure what drives the stock market anymore, Cuban said. There used to be correlations we could understand, but the problem is that nobody really understands what drives our market, and so when things happen, they happen fast. I think it's a mistake. This is what I don't like about that quote at the bottom, OG. He says you used to be able to understand correlation. I think, and I get this from a book, Trading Rules, by this guy who's made tons of money trading options. And he said, the best thing for a trader to do is to tell themselves immediately, I have no clue what the market's going to do. I have no clue. All these people that tell you every day on CNBC that they know what the market's going to do. He's like, the way I made money was I went into every day saying, you know what? Okay. There's all these indicators, but I still have no idea why the market moves the way it does. And that's the way to respect how dangerous it is.
4: No one has any idea. Just like you said, the one thing that I can be certain of is that stock valuations, the value of companies, continues to get higher and higher as years go on. That's not a linear progression. It moves around and ever... Stock prices, I should say, bounce around, around ever-increasing stock valuations. So we don't know why the stock market goes up or down on any particular day. People try to have cause and effect because our brains work that way. We want to have... I pulled lever A, I got out product B. We want that to be something that's predictable for us. That's our brain working against us, frankly. I think that would be a book to read, Brain Rules. Uh, Ah, yeah. And Your Money and Your Brain, those are two examples. Your Money and Your Brain was by Jason Zweig. Really, quite a great book. And that book talked about how your brain can kind of trick you into looking for patterns when there aren't any because that's how our brain works. We want to find patterns. Yeah. So we want to know... If the unemployment report is negative today, that means nothing. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It has nothing to do with anything, unlike what Wilfred said to Ryan in Wilfred. Wilfred said, everything has to do with everything, Ryan, which is not true when it comes to the stock market. Yeah. Nothing has to do with everything. It's just, so I think that he's a little off base there. We never had any idea yeah. what was going on in the stock market, except I can provide this quasi-fluffy answer of that the stock market always goes up. Except for the small periods of time where it goes down. Where it doesn't. But stock prices are bouncing around and ever increasing trend lines. So. Yeah. That's I, my two cents on I, it. No, I'm with you. Go back I, to managing the Mavericks. They suck, Cuban. <laughs> so would you get some good talent over there for crying out Come loud? Come on. Get that thing moving again.
0: Speaking of get moving, we got another headline before we get to Ed Brown. The man tries to take decrepit Detroit house for new iPhone. Have you seen this one last week? Ew. So it's a guy in Austria, and he... Uh, good day, mate. He, Put another shrimp <laughs> yeah. on the body. <laughs> I love that so this guy from the other Austria not that one he decided to purchase some property in Detroit because everybody knows property in Detroit is inexpensive he bought the property for forty one thousand dollars this is in 2010. well guess Pretty what he found actually well yeah well guess what he found out the guy that sold it to him had just bought it the week before for ten thousand bucks so he thought he was getting a great deal and instead this flipper turned and because of the fact that it's slower for the paperwork to catch up the guy had no idea the guy had just bought the house the week before he he had no idea what the price had been and thought he was getting a great deal had never this investor in austria has never been to detroit well now he's got all these back taxes he doesn't want to pay the back taxes so here's what he's doing he has decided that instead of five thousand dollars he'll take a new iphone six If you give him an iPhone 6, you can own this house in Detroit. Now, the bad news is he wants to sell it on a quick claim deed, which means the $5,000 in back taxes he owes, you also have to pay that. So it really is... $5,000 in an iPhone. The realtor has never been in the house because they have rules about them going into houses where they're not locked. Like there is no front door. The windows are all broken. The place is horrible. In fact, this guy's already gotten an offer from somebody that they'll give him an iPhone. So here's the type of bartering that goes on then. Somebody, when this story first broke, somebody said, won't give you an iPhone six, but I'll give you an iPhone (laughs) five. That is serious horse trading right there. OG. So the moral of the story, show up with the iPhone 6.
4: I think that's the moral of the story, isn't it? With a secondary moral of don't buy property that you've never seen and seen without looking at Zillow. That is crazy talk. Yeah. And the bad news is even if you just look at Zillow, you're way off. I
0: didn't even notice that was Jimmy John's, by the way. I'm getting jealous now.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the sandwich is gone. I've changed. I was always a number 11 on white. Country club. I've changed to the beach club number 12. It's gooey or it's got avocado on it, but the cucumbers make it. Mm, Yummy. So we got that. The other news. is And the Jimmy Chips. Mm -mm -mm.
0: (laughs) The other points I think people need to take home is that the student bubble is a big problem. We definitely need some changes. Not sure what we can do as individuals about that, but change in the way that student loans work. I think we're on uh, Cuban's bandwagon. And the stock market, don't pretend like you ever know where it's going. I've never heard the song Tiny Bubbles? No, no, not, not familiar with that. Well, for those people that know Hollywood from the day, this is so incredible. Our next guest, our guest on today's show, who from his life experiences wrote this book called The Time Bandit Solution, he does OG, oh they do corporate strategies where they help people get back time, they help corporations figure out how to do time management. But what's funny is, is that the author, Edward G. Brown, is a guy who not only is a deep thinker when it comes to time management, he is a guy that has been all over the West Coast entertainment industry. I mean, he has been a financial manager for musicians, for movie stars, he's been a promoter, a producer, a songwriter, he's founded a bank's this guy's done it all and i gotta tell you just even getting ready for this interview he's a fun guy to talk to so let's say hello to edward g brown and talk about time bandits getting your time back as many other accomplishments, he also now has a book called The Time Bandit Solution. We're going to talk time management with Edward G. Brown today. Ed, welcome to The Basement, man.
3: Oh, thank you, Joe. I love being here.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well, hey, so before we get to time management solutions, and, and I want to spend 99% of our time on that, I do want to talk a little bit about your career because I find it so fascinating. Do you mind telling me the story of how you discovered Don Ho and brought Tiny Bubbles to market?
3: Well, I'd love to, because if I could spend eternity with only 50 people, one of them certainly would be Donho. When you think of the word charisma, I think of that man. The people in his life, not just me, all loved him. He brought people on stage, and one of them were me. <laughs> I happened to be a business manager, for one of the largest in Southern California, maybe in the world, at least in Billings, and I came to Hawaii for a rest. And the editor of the Honolulu Advertiser brought me up to Don Ho. And Don Ho brought me on stage and said, hey, bra, what you do? <laughs> In his best pigeon. I said, I'm a business manager. Business manager. Is that like a bookkeeper? He asked. <laughs> Great. I, of course, offended. And he said, wait a minute. You know, go off my stage. You have three choices. You sing a song, tell a joke, or you buy the house around. I tried to tell a joke. He kicked me off his stage. He said not the worst joke. You stick to bookie pain, he said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so instantly though it sounds like you really didn't like him at first.
3: At first I didn't I thought he was arrogant and uh, but to tell you about a month later, for a number of reasons, one of which is I handled the contract for the world's highest paid disc jockey, yeah. a Howley, they used to call them. He was from Brooklyn, but he was doing business in Hawaii, Oh yeah, and he became the world's highest paid disc jockey, Jay Aku Hetpupuli, for anyone that remembers 25, 30 years ago, Hawaii. And Aku and I became very good friends because I negotiated this contract, so he contacted Don and said, Don, if you want to get anywhere, if you want to be safe, call Ed Brown and make him your business manager. And so... He did. And we became partners, Joe, and best friends for about five decades.
0: That's incredible. And also, not only that, working with people like Roy Rogers, Ed, or Pat Boone, or Andy Williams. I mean, these people throughout their career must have had these time bandits that we're going to talk about all over them. Were there any common threads about how those people were able to fight off all these bandits trying to steal their time?
3: I was their knight. I was forever protecting them from not just time bandits, but from bandit bandits, oh, yeah you know what I'm saying, Joe. Yeah. And the thing about a time bandit, well, I want your listeners to understand something. They can be your closest friends. They can be your colleagues. And they can be your boss. So they're innocent, nice people most of the time, and they don't realize that they're stealing your time or hurting you. It's up to you to tell them. And the book is about how to do that.
0: And that's a difficult thing, I think, and I'm going to want to get to that because it seems like you'd have a different discussion with your boss than you would have with your spouse, let's say. But I'd like to start here, if you don't mind, Ed. You sure. said you started thinking about time bandits to save your own life, and I found that to be very powerful. It wasn't for other people. It was for you. Explain that to save your own life.
3: Okay. Well, Joe, I'm an overachiever, workaholic, and I have so many things to this day that I want to do. There's two more books I want to write. There's a musical called O Atlantis that I've uh, written and uh, I've co-produced with someone else. And these things that just go in my baskets. And I don't know how long I've got, but whatever amount of time that is, I just know how precious it is. And I'm not going to squander a second of it. And I don't want your listeners to either, or, nor you, Joe.
0: Yeah, I find the older I get, Ed, the more I just feel the clock ticking, which is funny because then I think, okay, I should go faster, right? I should do things faster. But you talk about the way to actually speed up is to make the big decisions. And that all is around this concept of quiet time. Do you mind explaining quiet (laughs) time?
3: The best way to really speed up is to slow down. And I don't mean to confuse anyone, but our best decisions are made when our heads are clear. And the best way to clear our heads is to stop the pathos and chaos that are in our lives. If any of you know how to meditate, you know what I'm speaking of. And so I've learned how to do meditative relaxation techniques within which I'm able to think through my mantra and what it is in a calm mind, uh, through quiet time, what it is. That is the upside benefits of the things I want to do versus the downside risk of the things I'd like to do. And instead of making snap decisions, I make thought-through decisions. I don't make Hail Mary passes like I used to when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, you find that the bigger decisions you can't make when there's a bunch of clutter going on in your life. Why do we allow that clutter in, by the way? Because I think on some level we all know this, right? That we need to be more quiet in our life. But why do we kind of love interruptions?
3: We're addicted to them. We live in an interruption culture especially those kids growing up with the internet who had 20 different choices to make for social networking and yet were trying to increase their GPA and the kind of work that required concentration. They found that they themselves were their own worst time bandits because of their inability to concentrate. And I cover that in the book as well. It's called focal locking. And that may be one of the biggest challenges of all is to concentrate and to keep out what I refer to as mental leakage joke
0: yeah because that focal locking was so important how long you have a study in the book about focal locking where you have people or a thing you people do where they see how long that they can focal lock at one time what's the average amount of time somebody can normally spend on one activity being completely locked down
3: no more than 10 minutes okay if they could only if i'm afraid that your listeners are driving and so i'm hesitant (laughs) and asking them to do an exercise. But I'm gonna try anyway, Joe. It's really meditative relaxation techniques. Okay. If you're driving, don't do this. But think about when you get home doing it. You close your eyes and you focus on your breathing. And think of the breath goes up your left nostril as one color and the breath that comes out your right nostril as another color. Why? Because When you focus on breathing, it's called pranayama breathing by the yogis. It means you're focusing on one thing only. So as you bring gold air up your left nostril, counting to the number eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, let the air mingle in the vortex of your brain and calm everything down. And as you exhale, think of the mantra calm. And on the exhalation, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you can also visualize anything that will relax you, whether it's a seascape, landscape, or the cosmos. The point is to get rid of the clutter, as Joe said, and to control the pathos. And then you have what I call quiet time that's when you make the important decisions of your life
0: it's funny because i know some people listening to this think oh this is all new wavy it's all baloney but like you say in the book because i want to build a big correlation here ed you talk about how all the investments in your life you have an roi they have a return on investment but so does even more the importance of your decision making there's this huge roi and giving yourself that quiet time
3: huge uh, the biggest And the greatest benefit of quiet time is not making mistakes. Mistakes can be costly. And when you go to fix them, you spend more time repairing a mistake than you did by going through the quiet time exercise I've just described.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite I love Lucy skits (laughs) had to do with her on this assembly line at a chocolate factory and the assembly line moves faster and faster. What's funny is you actually reference this in the book, but that's where the hilarity happens. Right. Lucy's the the thing keeps going faster and faster and she's shoving them in her (laughs) mouth and in her gown and all over the place. What does Lucy and a bunch of chocolates have to do with this idea of time bandits?
3: It's just this that she was trying to avoid anyone knowing about the chocolates. So she ate them, consumed them, consumed them, and consumed them until she couldn't consume anymore. That's us in life when we overindulge ourselves in the things that we want to get done, but we allow the worst possible events to take place. We allow these time bandits to call us anytime they feel like and walk in on us anytime they want to. The thing that we need to do with the the Time Bandits is we love them, they love us, but they don't know that they're Time Bandits. Just think of this. If every one of your listeners, please, will call stwm.com. Dial in stwm.com and take the quiz. You will learn that 40 to 60% of your time has been wasted by Time Bandits. And you can stop them. And if you do as I've asked... And send me a letter, I will send you a free book.
0: Oh, cool. And that's stwm.com.
3: That's right, Joe.
0: Oh, that's awesome. At 40 to 60%, we're not talking about little amounts of time. We're talking about tons of time. A lot of people listening to this, and I know you've done tons of corporate training over your career, Ed. What about those people that live in cubicle land? Because as I'm reading your book and I'm thinking about being quiet and being focused, And locking my brain down on a task, I'm thinking about having that clarity. But if I'm in cubicle land and I don't have a door and I don't have an office, cubes are made for interruptions. How do I find that quiet when I'm out in the middle of a floor with a bunch of other people?
3: Those are the biggest time bandits. The biggest source of time lost is our colleagues. 80% of our time bandits are our colleagues. We must enter into mutual time lock agreements Mutual, in that they're mutually beneficial to your colleague. You would ask your colleague if they have difficulty at times with too many interruptions, and they will smile and say, you know what, Joe, I've been meaning to speak to you. And and you won't be surprised about the fact that you're one of my time bandits. And I would say, Joe, I was wanting to tell you that you're one of my time (laughs) bandits. (laughs) And and throughout these cubicles that you're referring to, uh, open uh, architecture, If the time bandits flourish and there are no one managers or you have to be your own manager, you have to protect yourself from them, they will understand. It's a matter of finesse. You can't just say no to time bandits. You'll offend them, nor do you need to.
0: I was going to say in your book, you're very clear. You give these scripts. But the important thing I think people get out of today's discussion that you and I are having is don't wing it, practice it ahead of time, right?
3: Absolutely, Joe. And uh, there's a reason for that, because you could inadvertently hurt their feelings, yeah. and, uh, and you don't need to do that. And besides, you won't feel comfortable. You just won't approach a time bandit if you don't practice and feel comfortable yourself. One of the things you need to do is predict the objections they may have to what you're going to ask them to do, so that you yourself have the comfort level of being able to go to them in the first place with your proposal of a mutual time lock agreement. When you've done that, if you have a friend or if you have only a mirror, practice. Practice approaching them and saying, Joe, you know, I don't know if you have the problem I have with never finding enough time to get things done, but I have deadlines I can't meet. Every time I'm about to complete a task and build the momentum, someone calls and says, hey, Joe, you got a minute? Then I try to go back to recapture my momentum and start all over it, but I can't. I can't remember where I left off. So what happens is I have to start from the beginning and do whatever the task was all over again. And I can't help it, Joey. I have to tell you, this causes me a certain amount of distress. And the distress wears me down. I get more tired. makes my days longer. I have days like that. <laughs> so that would be an ordinary conversation that you might have with your time bandit. And you'll be surprised to learn that all time bandits have time bandits.
0: Yeah, it's like you build buy-in from them And I'm thinking also, though, about one of several great stories in the book, but one where somebody's a money manager and they enlisted the help of their assistant who answers the phone. And the assistant says something like, well, they're making great investment decisions on your behalf and I can interrupt them. And we certainly want to interrupt them if this is an emergency. But would you like me to interrupt them? And of course, because the person is talking to their money manager, of course, they don't want to interrupt them. They want them to to make great decisions on their behalf. I thought some of these strategies are brilliant.
3: Actually, Joe, you were talking about me. Oh, was I, I, was, I was the person <laughs> you're referring to. My, my money manager, Steve Anterby, would handle making my investments, which was substantial because I was a business manager, and his uh, projection Mr. Brown, uh, Mr. Anterby, is doing his analysis of your portfolio, in fact. And he's told me that if you happen to call, If it's an emergency, by all means interrupt him. But if not, if it would be convenient, he would like very much to talk to you at three o'clock, which is when the market closes.
0: That's so brilliant. Just fan. and obviously you're not going to wing that one. I like the way you set things up, Ed, by talking about first just the concept of time bandits and how sometimes we're our own time bandit and then the importance of the quiet time because that's when we're going to make the big career and life-changing decisions, so we have to have that quiet time. But then you go into mental hygiene and about explain to our listeners what
3: mental hygiene is. Mental hygiene is a process for making us feel better than we might otherwise. When we wake up in the morning, we can set our computer just by looking in the mirror and saying, I'm going to have a wonderful day or I'm going to have a craft day. Emil Kuei, the famous and very optimistic philosopher, used to say each and every day, each and every way, I'm going to feel better and better and better. It was that simple. When I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror while I'm brushing my teeth. And that's what I say. Each and every day, each and every way, I'm going to feel better and better and better. And to help me, Joe, it works. And it'll work for all your listeners.
0: Yeah, it's powerful, that self-talk. It's funny because we talk about hygiene in every other way. But in terms of practicing on our brain. We don't think about that at all.
3: It's just another muscle. (laughs) It
0: really is. You also say that a lot of people have this problem that they have a middle-class mentality. And that was a line that jumped out at me in the book. What is a middle-class mentality?
3: Well, they feel insecure when counseling others. Business managers and investment advisors a private bankers sometimes represent people who have 10 times their net worth and are always afraid that when they give counsel to these extraordinarily wealthy people that they're going to hear, who are you to tell me about investing in finances? What are you driving? I have a Rolls Royce. And that was actually told to me by the private bankers as a reason for them not to analyze what their clients' needs were. And that middle class mentality backfires, on not just them, but on the benefit of the clients they represent.
0: Yeah, boy. I'd like to go through just a couple examples of the billion strategies in this book. But one, Roy Rogers personally taught you through his actions the importance of the 80-20
3: principle? Yes, he did. Alfredo uh, Pareto, in 1906, noticed in his village that 20% 20% of the people living in the village had 80% of all the assets. That concept had to be known as the 80-20 principle. And that, what Roy taught me was this, was that using his name, likeness, and image for commercial tie-ups, for the various endorsements he made for clothing, like jeans and toys, he generated more revenues than he would by doing personal appearances and going to rodeos. And as he got older, the fact that he was generating more revenues from just using his name, likeness, and image became the basis under which, in his later years, he ended up having a wonderful life.
0: Yeah, freed up a lot of time that he didn't waste doing things that didn't bring in any revenue. On the other side, I thought this was a funny example, Ed. Buddy Hackett, one of my favorite comedians of all time. And by the way, Buddy Hackett told a joke about sheep on the Johnny Carson show that I don't think I could even tell on this podcast. It was so <laughs> blue. But he was the opposite of another great time manager tool that you talk about called batch processing.
3: I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. If we do things in a batch, an artist who painted clowns for ships, for passenger ships, taught me that if he would paint not an entire clown's face, but just an ear, he could then do an ear, an ear, an ear, an ear, an ear, ear, and have 15 canvases going at once, and then do a nose, a nose, a nose, a chin, a chin, a chin, he would make fewer mistakes because he would be doing, building momentum and doing like-for-like things all at one time and thus doing everything in a batch. That's why I've called it batch processing.
0: Yeah, it is fantastic. I've tried to do that in everything. And it's funny because reading your book, I realized how many areas of my life I could, I could be batch processing that I still don't. But where do we find the book, Ed? Everywhere?
3: You find it everywhere. You can find it in all the better bookstores. Yep. At, at and Amazon. Of course.
0: Never heard of that. Amazon what? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And then if everyone goes to stwm.com and takes the quiz about the time that they're wasting, then you'll also offer them a free book there. I'd be thrilled
3: to give them the book for free. And they can also use the video. If they're in a corporate setup and they have a need uh, enterprise-wide to change the behavior of time bandits and want to learn how to protect themselves from time bandits, by all means, we'll be happy to license to them for on a pilot-only basis where they won't have to spend anything on using and the video. It would be my delight if they would do that.
0: That's that's fantastic. And for those people out on their morning walk or run or driving down the road, we'll have that in the show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. So- I love what you say near the end of the book, Ed, that all training is worthless unless it's implemented within 48 hours, which has always been true for me. So after hearing this discussion, what's the number one thing people should do to make this stick?
3: Remember that if you don't control your time, you don't control your life. And you can control your time if you just simply think of it this way. Those who interfere with my momentum... And hurting me don't mean to do so maliciously, but if I don't let them know that they are time bandits, then it's my fault that they're behaving the way they are and I'm behaving the way I am. But Joe, listen, before we sign off. Yes. I want to congratulate you uh, for the uh, Plutus Award. <laughs> well, thanks. The Best Financial Podcast 2014. You've had some amazing guests and uh, I'm going to be listening to you for, from now on.
0: Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. You know how to make a guy blush in mom's basement.
3: Well, you're a wonderful host, Joe. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me here. Thanks a lot. Hello. Hi, people.
5: I'm your mom neighbor Doug here with some trivia. I know already I had you with the word trivia. So let's make this week's question a story problem. Here we go. Let's Let's say your name is something that rhymes with Doug or something, and you've eaten lunch at restaurants every second day, day, and then you'll realize it's costing you, on average, like seven bucks a day. After a lot of jing, man. Then, hypothetically, you realize that if you, um, you borrowed someone else's lunch, maybe we'll call that person uh, K- KP, out of the refrigerator at work. How much money would you save in, like, let's say, 20 years? This is purely hypothetical, you you get it, right? It's hypothetical. I'd never suggest that anyone should do that. But, you know, I'll be back right after I finish eating this turkey sandwich. Nope. It's baloney. Damn it. I hate baloney. Sorry. What evil lurks in your human resources department? Here comes the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas.
6: Are you one of the 99.99999% of people that don't work in a perfect environment? Yes, you are. So since it's not going to be perfect, let's talk about how to navigate that. Tip number one, look for the positive. What is it that you like about your job? I had one friend who had a boss that was a screamer but she also got a big fat paycheck. That was the trade-off. Figure out what it is that you like about your job and whether it's worth the trade-offs of the things that you don't like. Next, learn how to navigate the politics. Listen, office politics exist. They just do. You can't find an office free of office politics. So figure out what they are and make sure you navigate them by always being nice to everybody, but also by being extra nice to the right people. In navigating those office politics, also stop the gossip. Just don't get involved with it. Gossip brings you back to junior high. Junior high was awful. Do you really want to go through junior high again? No, you don't. So stay out of the gossip. Next, don't expect perfection. Take that term dream job and remove it from your vocabulary. People often use that to describe what they think is going to be the perfect job, but when they get the job and they find out that it's not perfect, it's devastating. Listen, no job is going to be perfect. When you're interviewing for one, ask the hiring manager, what are the real challenges? What is the worst thing about working here? And listen, 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 listen. Don't let the fancy title or the new salary blind you to what could be real problems. Next thing, do your best. This makes any job better. Even if you're working at a fast food restaurant, wipe off those tables better than your coworkers. Do your best and it will make a job better. Next, find your friends. Offices generally have at least one person that you can relate to, somebody that you can laugh with, but be careful not to exclude other people because then you make it a gossipy junior high all over again. If you need help navigating your way through the workday Follow me on Twitter at RealEvilHRLady or read my blog at www.EvilHRLady.org. I'm Suzanne Lucas.
5: Hey, trivia people, I'm back. That was a great fruit cup, by the way, that KP had in his lunch. I mean, it looked like it would have been great, you know, if I'd had eaten it. But anyway, here's today's story problem. Let's say that you realize eating a lunch was costing you seven bucks a day when you decided instead maybe to like borrow lunch from the, from the fridge at work. If you earned 8% per year on the money that you saved by munching on someone else's lunch, what would you, hypothetically of course, what would you earn? The answer? Well, you would save $80,172. Isn't it worth it? I know. I mean, Not for me, but anyway. All right, I'll see you guys later. PK is waking up, and I should probably finish this Twix bar before he wonders where it went.
0: Isn't it amazing, OG? It's the people closest to us that we really like who steal your time. And they don't mean to, like Ed said. They don't mean to steal your time. They just, hey, I got this thing. And why do we let ourselves get interrupted? You know, we let it happen because we love it.
4: Creative avoidance.
0: You mean we're avoiding being more creative?
4: No. We're thinking of ways to be avoidant of the thing that we're supposed to be doing.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly what he said. Di-
4: uh, I can't say that one. Never mind.
0: No, and I love his thing about middle class mentality. We don't think that we deserve more than the middle class. Many people just have this, you know what? I don't deserve more. And once we get rid of that... And instead, give ourselves that quiet time to actually produce stuff. I mean, you do some of that strategic coaching stuff. I think a lot of that that he talked about, like batch processing, strategic coach is all about batch processing. Giving yourself quiet me time. I mean, isn't strategic coach all about free days?
4: There are parts of strategic coach about free days, yes. There are parts? Yes.
0: Parts is parts? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, something that is also will save you time, OG, is if you just go to magnifymoney.com. We got to thank Nick and Brian and Aaron and the gang over at Magnify Money because they help people compare, ditch, switch, and save money very, very quickly. Get rid of that time bandit and that money bandit. Listen to this. Online savings accounts are easy to open, easy to fund. They pay close to 1% as compared to what, OG, like Bank of America, 0.01%? I was
4: actually just, yeah, I just saw that on my Chase account, I get 0.01% interest. (laughs) I was really excited about that. (laughs) Well, then you
0: need to go to stackinbenchments.com forward slash magnify money OG, because in about three minutes, without putting in any personal information, you get a complete list from the best on down. And by the way, they show you their math. Their algorithm how they come up with this stuff they keep it simple because you know all these places they have all that fine print so get away from the mumbo jumbo and just go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and nick and the gang will hook you up with some big savings we've got letters OG. we have letters i'm so excited about the letters and the first letter well oh the first letter i can't read that's funny. The first letter I actually have to read, might read later at a different time. But anyway, next letter's from Gabriel, by the way, OG. Heard you guys talking about getting out of Pimco total return and thought I'd research a bit and found they currently have a high turnover rate 227% in a bond fund. Mm-hmm. This could be due to aggressive management seeking returns, but more likely to OG statement. I would say definitely do OG statement, which is they're using a large side cash management strategy because so many people are pulling out. And the answer there is correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in bonds, I can't think of another reason why you do that. I've only recently started buying in about two months ago, which means that Gabriel has been listening to the show for very long because when one of the co-managers pulled out this spring, we said, eh, you might want to... Watch that. But anyway, so I'm going to hang on because I don't have much to lose. Thanks for a great podcast. Very informative. You think the PIMCO Total Return Fund, if you're just starting to buy in, OG, oh, is that a place to keep buying in? No. Yeah. And the reason? Because I said so. <laughs>
4: that's,
0: that's fantastic. That's what this podcast thing's all about, is it's just OG oh, saying,
4: yeah. Hey, it's like my mom and dad always told me, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> And here's the deal. And Gabriel and I actually had a great back and forth because
0: the big thing is, is that if you're going to hang on, your hope is that current management can get it together and produce returns. The problem is, is there's so much negative press that no matter who the current manager is, OG, it's very difficult for them to do anything when people keep pulling out. I think you said something on our show about this, that it is difficult to... Now, you can stand by the side of the road, but at this point, you're probably collateral damage.
4: That's what I think. There's no point in martyring yourself to prove a point.
0: We have had, just to be clear with everybody, we have had very few calls where we said definitively to do stuff or don't do stuff. I'd say 99.9% of the time, OG, you and I are always like, it depends on this. But when it came to buying into Facebook... We said, don't do it. Buying into Zynga. And by the way, this is not now in Facebook. This was the Facebook IPO. Don't do it. We said, don't buy into Zynga. And then we also called the top of Apple, right? And said, Apple maybe. Oh, well, we just said Apple's overpriced, period. So those have been our three calls. This is our only our fourth call since we've had the podcast. PIMCO Total Return is, uh, I agree, not a place that you want to be. Next message is from – oh, I can't read that message either. (laughs) That is funny. Send notes to Joe at stackybenjamins.com. And if you listen to the show, you'll hear them. And if you listen to the entire show, you might hear even more. We also have OG Reviews. Of the show. And we have another awesome review from a listener. By the way, if you give us a review where you listen, that helps other people decide if they're going to want to listen to the show or not. And also in iTunes, at least, their algorithm works where as we get reviews, they bump us up in the charts. And lately we spend a lot of time around number 25 to 30. So this review is created from Beham Jenny. It says, your search is over. This podcast is a perfect blend of entertainment and financial content. I wanted to learn more about taking control of my personal finances, but didn't want to fall asleep at the wheel while I was doing it. Stacking Benjamins makes me laugh. It's safer for everybody that way. That's funny. Thanks to Beham Jenny for that one. If you've got a review of the show, please lay it on the place that you listen, and we will read it on air. That's it, OG? Big show, man. Ed Brown. I love getting some of these great, great guests. Just absolutely love it. Ed was such a fun guy to talk to. That was a good time. And I mean, this student loan thing drives me crazy. Student loan problems are like the housing, it just won't go away. How many times can I hear about it in the paper? Student loan problems, student loan problems. It's a big deal. Yep. I agree. Another big deal. And at this point in the show, we no longer talk about financial planning. We talk about stuff that we saw. On Monday, we kind of broke protocol. And you talked about Aladdin and seeing it live on Broadway. A whole new world.
4: It's awesome. Don't you dare close your eyes. I'm actually going to talk about two movies, O.G., that I saw at the same time because... You I, like had you like your video camera on the theater and one, so you could <laughs> upload that to one of those torrent sites, and then you're watching something else on your iPad? Yeah, an ADB.
0: Right, exactly. Now, I went to see two movies, and I, we won't play the clip today because it would take uh, too long, but I saw two movies. I saw Maze Runner, which is a movie for older kids. It's another one of these dystopian, I think it's what they call it, like the, mm-hmm. the world's falling apart, so this kid right. gets uploaded into this Cage in this cage. You've seen the previews. Yes. Kid gets uploaded a cage. He's in this place in the middle of this maze, and then they're trying to find the way out. And that's why it's called Maze Runner. I saw that movie, and I also saw Alexander and the No Good Very Bad Day, which stars uh, Steve Carell and Jennifer Gardner among other people. That's for younger kids, OG. To, yes, uh,
4: that's on the agenda. That's on the OG agenda.
0: Yeah, Alexander in that movie is 12 years old, and I'll say that movie is appropriate for kids six, seven, eight years old. They won't get all the humor, but they'll get enough of it, I think, that it'll keep them glued I to let the, my kid watch their The Daily seat. Show,
4: and he gets that humor.
0: <laughs> you're, you're way okay, then. No, I'm good? <laughs> all right, good. Dad, why do they keep bleeping that stuff out?
4: Okay. Yeah. No, we watched the unedited version. Yeah, shoot them That's straight, right. man. No, no earmuffs for my kids. Hey, Dad, what is this? Boop. Keep boop. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That's how he talks at school nowadays. He's <laughs> like, oh, son of a beep.
0: He's got his own sensor button. <laughs> he censors
4: himself with beeps. <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic.
0: I'll just say this, OG. The apple does not fall far from that tree.
4: Oh, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, anyway, right. so tell us about the movie.
0: No. So first of all, Maze Runner is this movie about this kid, and they don't know what's going on. They don't know why they're in this maze. They know they were uploaded. They have these little tiny remembrances of the world before. And in a way, it's kind of the same type of movie that The Hunger Games is. I mean, they have to escape. Kids are probably going to die. In fact, kids do die and they are crossing kids off. It's really dark. I got through with that movie and as deep as that movie tried to be, and they definitely, by the way, set it up for a sequel. And I think the sequel will do fine. I'll probably go see it. Like I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't care as much in that movie as they wanted me to care. And I didn't think it was a fantastic movie. I was trained the whole time. Watching it, thought it was, I was disappointed. Let's put it that way. I was disappointed with the movie. Alexander and the No Good, Very Bad Day was a movie I went into with no expectations because the movie is not the kind of movie that I normally want to go see. Cheryl and I just had a free Sunday afternoon and said, you know what, let's go. just go see this kid's movie, this family movie. I was Where with Maze Runner, they were trying really hard to get me invested and get me to really buy in and feel the fact that these kids are dying and that it's so dire and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm eating my popcorn. Kids are dying. I'm eating popcorn. That's great.
4: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very, <laughs> yeah. very dramatically. Yeah. Very interesting.
0: On the other side, Alexander and the no good, very bad day. I bought into completely, man. I just, I got to tell you, I bought into this family's plight right away. And it's the goofiest plot. The kid, just like Jim Carrey and liar, liar, where he blows out a candle at midnight and says, he's never going to tell a lie again. And then, the movie's hilarious from that point forward. Right. Same thing happens early in the movie. Alexander's so frustrated that he blows out a candle saying, I wish everybody else in my family could experience the horrible, what a horrible day is. And the whole family proceeds to have just hilarity ensues. Nice. But what's fun about this movie, it's such a great family movie because no matter what happens in this movie, and a lot of funny stuff happens, the family OG continues to pull together and pull for each other. And I gotta say, just as as a parent, and as Somebody who's looking for, I don't know. I'm going to say I'm not looking for... It wasn't a message movie. I don't want to go that far because I'm not a big fan of movies beat me over the head with a message. Right. But I was buying and usually
4: it. they're a message you wouldn't like to, That's, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I reviewed about a month ago that movie The Giver and about how they just kept beating me over the head with the message and I was uh, just nasty. This movie, I thought, had a great message about family togetherness, but it was not beat me over the head. I laughed my way through the movie. I was invested. I even when when the family, when things happened at the end that were kind of funny, I even got a little dusty.
4: Got a little, you, uh, you and my wife, we see the same. We watch the same movies all the time, and she's like crying at a television show. And I said, we were watching this show, and she starts crying. I said, "What are you crying for?" She said, "Well, it's so sad." And I said, "You know the outcome. <laughs> you already ruined it." Like I was thinking in this episode of this show that this person was going to die. I was sure of it. I was like, "Ah, oh, he's probably going to die." It's the last season of this show. They're going to start killing people off. So the whole show, I'm joking, like, be, you know. Cause, <laughs> Here comes the flatline. Yeah. Here comes the flatline. <laughs> like, He's not going to make it out of surgery. And she says, oh, no, no, I already saw on Facebook that next week's episode, he comes back home. So I'm she like, already knows. You already know the outcome and you're sad about this? This is illogical. My brain doesn't work like that. I'm not saying I was sad.
0: I'm saying it did get a little dusty like it did. I was so just full of emotion. Let's put it that way. I was very happy. I was very emotional. I was like,
4: oh, that's great. This reminds me of a, one of those people post those things on Facebook that have like the little sayings that shows like a picture or whatever and it's got a little saying on it. Yeah. So I saw one yesterday that really defines me and it defines this moment. It says, I wish I could take out my heart and replace it with a liver so I could drink more and care less. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral OG lives by. Right That's there. the moral I live by. I, think I we wish got- <laughs> I could drink more and care less, baby.
0: I think we got to end the show on that note. Thank you very much to Ever G. Brown for coming on the show. I love talking to that guy. Definitely, as we mentioned, go to his website, stwm.com. Take the quiz and as he said, he will send you a free book. How about that? And people lose forty to sixty percent of their time to these to time bandits. Fantastic. Spend some time. Yeah, that was fantastic. But anyway, uh, head there. Also, thank you to Doug for the trivia. Thank you to Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady today. And uh, thanks to you, OG. See you on the flip, man. Amen, brother. See everybody here on Friday. Melanie Lockhart's here. Melanie did a great thing. You know what she did? She created this website, OG, called Dear Debt, where people write Dear John letters to their debt. These debt, you were a friend of mine for a long time, but I'm kicking you to the curb. It's fantastic. So we're going to talk about writing Dear John letters to your debt on Friday with Melanie. Just, uh, I'm sure that's going to be
5: hilarious. We'll see you then. This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor LLC, copyright 2014 and is produced by Joe Salcihai and edited by Joe and Isabella Bianca. Special thanks to Joe's mom for bringing down pork rinds and kook-aid for the show. Kool aid It's not Kool-Aid. It says Kool aid right there. Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the Evil HR Lady, can be found at EvilHRLady.org. Or you can follow her on Twitter at Real Evil HR Lady.
6: All right, OG, I got to read these
4: letters I couldn't read. Hey, you're on a time crunch, man. You got two minutes. I know. I'm going to have to go fast. I'm gonna Don't to, be late for your meeting. You have to drive quickly. Early's on time, and on time's late, buddy. Yeah. Well, how long have you known me? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's frustrating to no end. Although today, I haven't been a model citizen either. I I double, gonna... The problem was I double booked myself at 12.
0: I was going to say there is a reason why I am late, and part of it is OG, but that's fine. And anyway, listen to this.
4: Carry on, my wayward son.
0: Yes. Ken. Listener Ken says, I just listened to the episode, Secrets of the World's 99 Greatest Investors with Magnus Engenfeld. Love that interview still. Mm -hmm. Just loved it. I was the one who bought the two poker books. Nice. And yes, they go together. They're by the same author. But no, but no, I didn't buy the Sex Life Primer book. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And for those people that didn't listen to that episode, you want to go back and do it because com forward slash Amazon, you help the show every time you go to Amazon and buy. And we don't talk about that a lot anymore because we talk about magnified money. We don't want this show to be all commercials, but if you're using... I'd like it
4: to be all commercials. Yeah,
0: but if you're using that link com forward slash Amazon, they send us a little a referral. Feet, which is great. Like a, it's like a royalty. Us, yes, right. it's it is. It helps us keep podcasting,
4: and we can see what people buy, just not who buys it.
0: Yeah, we can't see who buys it. So, what OG saw, and I don't even look. OG always looks. I don't even look. Which we'll get to our next letter here in a second. But anyway, OG saw two poker books and a sex book, uh, saying that maybe the guy spends too much time at the casino, or a woman we didn't know who it was, spends too much time at the casino, and then they need to find yeah. you know they need to work yeah. on their sex life.
4: Or, a, he says, but. Game.
0: Anyway, Ken, back to Ken. He says, but no, I did not buy the Sex Life Primer book. I'm doing my best to get better at poker. The other thing, I'm pretty sure I got down. <laughs> Just the word poker Yeah, that's is right. kind of a double entendre. Y- you know, I wrote back to Ken. I wrote, deny, deny, deny. You should run for Congress, dude. <laughs> and then... As if that's not, this is like a Catholic confession week.
4: You know, it's like, a, it's like a cleansing.
0: Everybody is coming out of the woodwork. This letter's from Mike. I'm here to out myself as the purchaser of the Rum Runner bags. That was from a couple months nice. ago. He said, I also bought the dehumidifier that was mentioned in passing in the same episode. Sadly, I was not the purchaser of the poker books, although I laugh because my professional, in quotes, professional poker playing brother-in-law moved in and started sleeping on our couch the same day I listened to that episode. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah must are doing really well
0: yeah somebody definitely needs some poker books but now we know ken bought that like it isn't it funny we're matching so mike it wasn't you we know it was ken so we're okay there yeah
4: but he says unless ken's your brother
0: he's maybe may, maybe it is <laughs> <laughs> maybe dude, ken dude, is mike's. In
4: and of itself would be just like the most funny <laughs> way to end this
0: story ken is mike's brother-in-law i didn't know you listened to stacky benjamins i know me
4: neither. No idea. You buy those damn poker books and go back to work. No, no, no. no. This will work out. You'll see. And if it doesn't, I got this sex book. <laughs> so. That you can borrow. Because <laughs> I'm on the one who
3: bought <laughs> it.
0: So, Mike says, just curious how the choice was made. And I wrote back to Mike saying, I don't even see it. OG reads it. You've got the screen opposite me. So, I'm not even looking at the Amazon stuff. You just look at it and I laugh. But, just curious how the choice was made between the rum runner bags and the sunscreen flasks. Same Amazon order. They're both pretty quality items. Maybe the sunscreen, what the hell's a sunscreen flask? Like you bring a flask full of sunscreen? Is that the deal? I
4: might not have even seen that one.
0: Maybe the sunscreen flask I the was, list
4: is very long. I, there's, sometimes there's Hundreds of things yes, on there, right? And I just glance down and like look in the big categories.
0: To I got to say, we're so grateful the number of people that buy stuff using yeah, no, using it's great. that link. You
4: know I mean, we
0: can yeah. Paula needed a new mic this month, and we were able to send her one. Yeah, Greg's mic one. puked out last month; we sent him one. Mine did uh, a couple
4: of weeks, couple months. That's, week? that's
0: right, yours. Yeah, and I just bought a thing because this the computer when I do Skype interviews is going bye bye. So we're switching out to another computer, and I was able to buy a piece for that. Use it, so yeah. man. You guys are keeping us going. But anyway, back, back to Mike. Maybe the sunscreen flasks were so stealth you thought I just ordered sunscreen. I did almost slather Jack Daniels on the back of my neck at one point.
4: <laughs> That's a bad day. When you- I'm just kind of curious, like, aren't those trips, though, can't you bring booze on those trips? Or is that like... I don't think so. I think they want to sell you. I don't know. I've
0: never taken a cruise. We talked about that before. No No crew. Anyway, Mike says, love the show. I'm an engineer by day looking to use my real estate investing to provide financial freedom by age 38. Go, Mike. That's cool. 10 year goal set two years ago at age 28. Plan form later. (laughs) That's like everything of me. I'm going to start down this path and we'll have a plan when I get halfway there. The podcasts I never miss an episode are Stacking Benjamins. Thank you. Bigger Pockets. And I told Mike that I met one of the two bigger pockets. Of course, uh, Brandon Turner's been on our show, but I met Josh Dorkin at FinCon at this conference that I just went to. And what a great guy. This The Bigger Pockets guys are awesome. And Freakonomics. Never heard of that show. Freakonomics, what's that?
4: Hmm. Steven, somebody or another.
0: Yes, yeah, somebody. I, I don't know. All right. Thanks for the notes, uh, Mike and Ken. You both just made my day. I thought that was funny, the two guys outing themselves uh, in uh, confession week. Yes. All right. We'll see. You. I got to get out of here, man. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have